0: We have him in a couple times a year because he's a pure prophet and uh, he just teaches until he starts prophesying and then that's what we do and uh, last time he was in we had a atheist that came and uh, Dennis after he got done preaching he just started prophesying over people and this young man was sitting right over here and after Dennis prophesied over him he shouted out I believe there's a God I believe there's a God because when you when, when, a, when a prophet hears from God on your behalf and says things that only God would know about you, what are you going to do with that? God. <laughs> Amen, Ron. Yeah, and so we need the prophetic. It stirs up the body of Christ. And so uh, next Saturday night, the same chapel that we used at LifeBridge, it's not the LifeBridge main church, it's the chapel down below, which is easy to find because I sent out an email and it has the link in it, and you can go on the app, you can go on our website, you can find it. Tonight's praise gathering, where we're going to be, um, the same place, Dennis will be next Saturday night, so we're going to meet right there. So it's not LifeBridge church doing it, we're just using their chapel, because the pastor's a friend of mine, so because um, it's a lot less expensive than renting this place, that's what we're going there. And then Sunday morning he'll be right here. But you want to be there. Um, tonight, for the praise guy, I'm going to ask you to bring a list of needs. Things you really want to see God do. You may not get them all, but if you don't pray, you won't get any. Amen. Yeah. So we just throw it all out there. And I want you to bring one impossible. I mean, small prayers really, you know, insult a big God. As though he doesn't care about uh the small things but or that he can't do the big things, so I like to do the really tiny, tiny tiny like parking spaces and some and some of you think that's ridiculous, but I park while you drive around the block. you get that yeah you go from parking spaces to like what my wife is facing right now, which many of you know that you know. Uh, they say that the CT scan says the cancer has spread to her lungs and to her brain. And I left the hospital last night to get a good night's sleep and prepare to come serve you. And I'm going back to the hospital to be with her. we have been there for the last few days. And so that's my impossible. It's not impossible for God. Amen. I mean, like that didn't even make, that word doesn't even compute with him. In fact, he says to people who ran out of faith in the Bible, he had to say to them, nothing is too difficult for me. And so I want us to um, keep her, if you would, at the top of the list uh, of our prayers tonight at the praise gathering. I asked to do the offering this morning because it's the first Sunday of the year. I want to say to those of you here that don't know me or us, we don't talk about money a lot here. Uh, We talk about God and his vision for his kingdom. But God talks to us a lot about money. And so he takes it very seriously because Jesus said our hearts and our money are connected. And so God wants to free us from our greeds and meet our needs and even fulfill some of our dreams. But it's all connected to our money. That's why he always says to bring the first part of your money, not your pocket change, not your leftovers. Don't pay SD and g 1st You go to God first. And what that does is it cuts at the root of fear and greed and unbelief. And it connects us to God as our financial partner. Now, the first time that... I tithe, uh, I, the Lord, I heard the pastor talking about tithing in 19, who knows when, it was a long time ago. And I didn't even know what it was, but I thought it was ridiculous because I had no money. I was in business here in San Diego and we were absolutely broke. And, but I determined in my heart, which some of you today, this may be all you can do because maybe you have no money. Maybe you're in a situation like I was, but I, I told the Lord the next dollar I get, you get the first dime. And that was almost 40 years ago. And the next two weeks, I produced more sales than the previous two months combined. And I got, I didn't have a checking account, so I got a money order. And I remember the basket coming down, and I think it was $80. I had not, I was living on peanut butter and jelly. And um, literally. And I remember the basket came by, and releasing that, I'd already made it out, but still just releasing that into the basket it was, it was like I was jumping off a cliff. And uh, when that went into the basket, something changed in my heart. And I couldn't describe it then, but I know it now it was trust in God. Then now I'm in God's hands. And by the end of the year, I was the top salesman for a multimillion dollar corporation. I was a top sales guy for four years. And uh, presidents of other companies in the same industry would literally fly in to ask us what we were doing to smash industry records. And I didn't really have anything to tell them other than <laughs> I'm just I'm just walking with God, man. You know. And they didn't know what to do with that. Like, it's, they were looking for something slick and new engineering. And, and I was like, man, it's just I was desperate, and I cried out to God, and I started trusting God with the first ten percent of my income. And so, at the beginning of this year, uh, whether you have money or not, I want you to make a commitment in your heart. I'm asking you. It's between you and God. Can you make a commitment in your heart that this year he's going to get the first of your income? And some of you do it digitally. Some of you are texting somebody online. So you don't have it with you right here. So we're going to stand and we are going to bring our hearts to God. And then you're going to give to him uh, in whatever way you give and however God communicates to you to give. But I want us as a spiritual community to be a people of faith. I want us to stand. I want us to present our offerings to the lord on the first sunday of this year and say god this year we are not going to only gather what our hands can gather we are looking to you as our provider and our faith is proved by the fact that we are going to give you the first of our income all year long i promise you from the bible and from my own personal experience and many testimonies of people from over all these years i've been pastoring God will come through for you. So let's all stand. And the first part of this is a scripture that we're going to quote together as one voice and one faith through our one God. And then there's a declaration after the scripture. So we all are going to say this out loud together uh, as a spiritual community. You guys ready? Okay, it's got to come from your heart and then you got to follow through with your obedience. Here we go. Here's the scripture. Let's quote this out loud together. I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse, so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. Here we go. I will also stop devour from destroying your crops and keeping your vineyards, from producing. Everyone of every nation will talk about how I have blessed you and about your wonderful land. I, the Lord, all-powerful, have spoken. Amen? Amen? All right, here comes our declaration. Let's go. Thank you, Lord, that as we joyfully give you our tithes and offerings in 2024, you will abundantly pour out blessing after blessing on us so that we will have more than enough to give to those in need, and to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are believing for heaven opened and earth invaded, storehouses unlocked and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, grace, favor, and divine manifestations, anointings and callings, positions and raises, provision and resources to go to the nations souls and more souls from every nation saved and set free through kingdom demonstration amen and amen amen and amen all right you can have a seat you can give through the website you can give by texting 84321 you can give by mailing a check into our p.o. box you can give At the box in the back. So today, I want to give to you a message that I believe that the Lord put on my heart for you for 2024. I was really hoping for a word like, you know, more in 24, or last year's ceiling is this year's floor, you know, or something that rhymed and was inspirational, but no, he didn't do that. And I'm a little disappointed. But I told the Lord years ago when I first started preaching... And I caught myself trying to come up with some slick slogan that would impress you and inspire you. I, I caught myself, thank God. And I said, what are you doing? You're actually going to come, stand up and say something God didn't say to you because it sounds something, you know, inspirational. I said, God, forgive me. I will never do that. God forbid. And I said, if you don't have something specific, I'm not going to say something That you haven't said. But every year he speaks to me. And what uh, he revealed to me. And it's in the scriptures in Genesis 1. So it's not some great revelation. Is God works in times and seasons and months and years. The Bible literally says that in the book of Genesis. That God created the sun and the moon and the stars. He created the days, the months and the years. He created cycles. So he's the God of new beginnings. So it's not some cheap thing to say at the new year I have fresh vision because God is a god of new beginnings over and over and over and over and over so he gives us fresh starts and so i asked him what he had for us this year and these this is what he said to me strength and stability well i appreciate that rick and amen strength and stability now for the lord to say that to me that communicates that there might be some turbulence this year. Now, it won't take; it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think that might be true, being that it's election year. It might get a little crazy. But the Lord spoke strength and stability. And, man, I tell you, that means a lot. Strength and stability is firmness, unbreakable, unshakable, immovable, and secure. How many of you want that? Or would you rather be... Weak and unstable, vulnerable, easily broken down. Your marriage, your money, your ministry, your family, your friendships. Do you want these things to be easily, easily crumble when your life is shaken through trial and tribulation and suffering and things you didn't expect? Or do you want to be solid as a rock? As a rock. And so God is saying that this year He wants to make you strong and stable. So how can you be strong and stable this year? I'm going to take us to a passage out of 2 Kings chapter 18. And this is um, in history. There was a king named Hezekiah that was the leader of God's people. And Hezekiah was under the oppression of Assyria. Assyria was the, uh, the, the greatest power in the near Middle East in Hezekiah's time. And Jerusalem, Hezekiah, the Israelites, were having to pay tribute or taxes to Assyria because Assyria had dominated them. There was no hope. There was no way out. There was no way to revolt against Assyria. They were too big and too powerful, too overwhelming. You may have situations in your life that are too big, too powerful, too overwhelming, whether it's the economy or whether it's your marriage on the rocks or whether it's your physical health or a wayward child, uh, maybe your own personal addictions or or weaknesses that afflict you and everybody around you. I don't know. I don't care what it is, what your Syria is. God is able to overcome your stronghold. No matter how vicious and ferocious it gets, no matter how strong the winds blow, if you are With God, in the way that God has called you to be with him, you will be strong and stable. You will not be able to be blown over, knocked down, crushed, or undone. And so, Hezekiah was unlike any king that had been before or after. He came into leadership when he was 25 years old. And the first thing he did was he cleansed the land of idolatry. He cleaned out the house of God. He restored worship in Israel. It had been years since they were the nation was seeking God. Does that sound familiar? It had been they had lost their righteous foundations of their faith in God, like this nation was built on. The economy was uh, destroyed. Their spiritual life was destroyed. Their relational social life was in chaos. And this 25-year-old king came into power, and he immediately began reformations in Israel. Let's listen to what the Bible says about Hezekiah, this 25-year-old, this 20-something that came into leadership. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. I love this. He kept the commands of the Lord that God had given to Moses. And the Lord, oh, here we go. And the Lord was with him. If you will follow Hezekiah's example, the Lord will be with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, especially Thursday, Friday nights, Saturday mornings, Saturday nights, and certainly on Sundays, and then Sunday nights, every day, every week, every month of this year. The Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. <laughs> Isn't our God good? God wants you to be successful in everything you do, mothering, fathering, husband, wife, your career, your ministry, whatever it might be. God wants you. He, the first thing God did when he created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image. And do you know what the next thing it says? And he blessed them. God's a blesser. Then he said, now be fruitful, multiply, and take over the earth. Then he gives you an assignment. He creates you in his image you have a relationship with God. He blesses you. Then he says, go get him. And then he stands back and just watches you and blesses all the works of your hands. Now there should have been a big fat amen right there because that's some good preaching. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. When you fear God, you do not fear man. Now, if we could understand the environment that he did all this in, you would be really impressed. To not fear Assyria, when all the near Middle East was trembling under the oppression of Assyria, and this little 25-year-old king in this little nation called Israel stood up and said, I believe in my God. I will not send you taxes anymore. Now, you know he just picked a fight, right? And because of this, and this is the scripture we're going to sit down on today. Because Hezekiah was like that, this is what God says to Hezekiah, Isaiah 33, 6. God, he, God, will be the sure foundation for your times. A rich, that word rich is abundant, and that's your word for this year, Mary. Bountiful. He will be a bountiful store of these three things. Salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. All three of those must be important. We're going to break them down today. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Because Hezekiah was trusting in the Lord, walking with God, and doing right in God's sight, God responds to him and he will respond to you in the same way. I will be your sure foundation And I will give you salvation, wisdom, and knowledge in your times. That word times there means in a season, a short season. In the times, when he was talking to Hezekiah, in this time of conflict and combat and turmoil, in your times, in your present situation, in 2024, I will be your foundation and I will give you my wisdom, my knowledge, and salvation. The fear of the Lord is the key. So there are three things that ensure this strong foundation that we see in this, this little scripture here. We're going to break this down now. Okay? You guys ready? These three things. Number one is God. He didn't say your political party will be your sure foundation. Nations rise and nations fall. They always have. They always will. I care about God's house, my house, and the White House deeply. I do. But I care more about God. Because the kingdoms of men come and go, but the kingdom of God is forever. The kingdom of God reigns in communism, socialism, and capitalism. The kingdom of God goes on. Do you know the, 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 the strongest churches and the biggest churches and the fastest growing churches in the world are under communist rule because they need more of God, so they get more of God. God is not dependent on our government or our government structure or philosophy. God is dependent on no one and nothing. He looks for faith. He looks for trust. He looks for dependency. And then he invades. Amen? Amen. But I do want godly men and women to rule our nation. And so does God. But we are not dependent on that. We are dependent on God. If that's a fact in your life, then God says that he will be be your sure foundation. Now, how do you make God your sure foundation? Well, Moses, when Moses was leading the nation, he says something so clear. I wish we would just pay attention. God is not complicated. He, he's got to make it simple because we're, he calls us sheep. Do you know that sheep are the dumbest animals on in the world? It's not a compliment when he calls us sheep. But sheep know how to follow. They're so dependent on their shepherd, they can't make it without him. I asked the Lord one year when I was so desperate I cried out to him and he touched me and put peace in my soul And I felt his peace and I said to the Lord How are people in the world making it without you because I can't and he responded they're not and I was like Oh, yeah facts right? I'm like, So this simplicity of God. Moses says to his people, I place before you today life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose. And then he says, choose life. (laughs) Like we have to be told which one to choose. But we do, don't we? Because so often we choose things that bring pain into our lives. So God's like, look, please choose life. Well, what does that mean? So then Moses says, and this is how you choose life. Deuteronomy 30, verse 28, it says that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice in this phrase, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. He is. Have you ever had a clingy girlfriend or a clingy boyfriend? I, I see someone going, okay, I hope you're not talking about Dan there, Kristen, because you were going like this, and he's sitting right next to you. You know, but hey, praise the Lord, you've been clinging to her for how many years now, Dan? 23, 23 years. Man, he's hanging on. <laughs> you know, this is God what God wants us to do. He wants us to be clingy. A better word is to cleave. Because clingy communicates insecurity. God doesn't want you insecure, but he does want you deeply dependent and following very closely. Moses says, "Cleave to the Lord your God. The word cleave means to stick to, to adhere to, like this. So I'm going to give you a little illustration here. Greg, will you help me out? All right. God wants you to cleave to him and stick to him. Anybody know what this is? Anybody ever played Jenga before? One down. Give me some encouragement, you guys, because if I don't do this right, my whole, my whole sermon is going to be blown if I blow this. All right. This, one of these, one of these, one of these is your life. The great thing is you get to choose which one. How do you make God your foundation? How do you experience strength and stability in 2024? Well, we just found the first thing is you got to make God your foundation. So, let's remove God from this. Oh, man, this one's stuck. That per that that person is cleaving to God, man. I cannot get God out from it. That person. Let's try this. Let's try this guy over here. Let's see. Let's get let's remove God. You know what? I don't like fact God hasn't answered my prayers. I'm not gonna serve him anymore. I'm just I had one person say to me this week, oh, 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 I'm cheating. I'm cheating. Okay. God's out. All right, I had somebody to say I said, How how are you doing with watching your loved ones suffer? And this person said to me, I said, Well, how are you doing with God? And he said, I decided just to chill. Now you know what that means, right? I'm disconnecting. And this is what I said to my friend. I said, Listen, just listen to me for a second before you do this disastrous thing you're about to do. You are gonna suffer in life. You're either going to suffer with God or suffer without God. And suffering without God is a billion times worse. And I said, and secondly, that's exactly what Satan wants you to do is disconnect from God. So now he double wins. He brings suffering into your life and then he gets you to disconnect from God like he did with Adam and Eve when he lied to them and said God's not good. And if you live independently from God, your life will be so much better. And they believed the lie. They took the bait and then all hell broke loose and the world has suffered ever since. You do not want to suffer without God. Jesus said we'll have trials and tribulations in life. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In other words, cleave to me, stick close to me, and we will walk through the valley of the shadow of the death together to a banquet table on the other side of the valley. But if you're a sheep and you disconnect from the shepherd in the middle of darkness, how deep that darkness will get for you. So first, you make God your foundation cleave to him secondly he says that he will give you his salvation wisdom and knowledge in the midst of turbulent times look let's read the scripture again Isaiah 33 6 he God will be the sure foundation for your times a rich store of abundance of salvation wisdom and knowledge So let's look at these very quickly salvation the word salvation isn't just being born again It isn't just giving your life to jesus. The word salvation means deliverance welfare prosperity and victory How many of you this year in 2024 would like to experience deliverance welfare prosperity and victory God promises to give you in fact that word salvation there is plural salvations In the same chapter when he when hezekiah depended on the Lord the Lord says this about halfway through the chapter I love this this is his salvation and he says this to you but the Lord says now I will stand up now I will show my power and might do you want God to stand up for you this year do you want him to fight your battles this year When you depend on him at one point, I'm telling you, at one point, God will say, enough is enough. I'm stepping in. It's kind of like when my wife and I are out in public. She's so private. She's so quiet. And she is so sharp. And when people are popping off, she normally just stays quiet. People giving their opinions. People giving their perspective on things. But I've seen it a number of times when we're standing there talking to somebody. And somebody just goes too far. And when Hope says this phrase, my kids will tell you. Well, the reality is, yeah. When she does that, I do this, and I just watch because <laughs> somebody's somebody's about to. Somebody is about to, she's about to, as they would say in the South, you know, teach the, you know, teach the cow how to eat cabbage. I mean, she is about to, you know, hair lip Georgia, another one, or Katie bar the door. I mean, she, I, it's like, you know, sit down and watch the show, man, because this boy's going to be snatched, ball-headed. All right. So if you're not going to walk with God, then you're also not going to have His salvation in your life. So let's let's remove salvation from this person's life. Oh man, that man, that salvation is solid. All right, let's see this person. I already removed God from their life. Let's remove God's salvation from their life now because they're not serving God. Oh, we will go this way. They're not serving God, so now you're not going to experience God's deliverance, prosperity, His favor. All right. Secondly. He says that He will give His wisdom. This is knowing what to do. People get paid millions of dollars for their wisdom in in financial management, nutrition, business, ministry, marriage counseling, uh, seminars, webinars, influencers. I mean, millions of dollars are paid to people for their wisdom. But God knows everything. He knows how to do everything, when to do everything, why to do everything. And he literally says he will give you his wisdom. Look at this. I like, I'm going to start with this. 1 Corinthians 1.25. We put so much confidence in man. Now, I do want the wisdom of the doctors. I want the wisdom of money managers. I want the wisdom of nutrition. I do. But there are some things that is beyond human wisdom. We don't know how to fix the economy. We don't know how to fix our government. We don't know how to fix... Uh, The morality of our nation we don't know how to fix the backsliddenness. We don't know how to fix there's certain I don't man. I remember one time Hope and I were in such a desperate place A couple years into our marriage and I went to 30 of my pastors in the city We're sitting around a table and I said my marriage is in trouble and I just need counsel Uh, We just need wisdom. Sometimes you come to a place in your marriage where it's just irreconcilable differences It's just you just feel so far apart on some issues and you, and you just can't, you've understood each other, you just don't agree. And what do you do now? No counselor was, had the wisdom for us. we already been to counseling. We needed God. We needed God. We cleave to Him. And God began to change us. I'll tell you what will happen. It's not a pretty process. But when you're talking to God about your spouse, He wants to be talking to you about you. and it normally comes down to selfishness and flexibility and sacrifice and all those wonderful words that i want to flick you with this morning and now 28 years later we're happier than we've ever been look at first corinthians 125 we put so much faith in the wisdom of people the foolishness of god is wiser than human wisdom (laughs) and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength it's not that God's weak but you get it right it's like a newborn baby like I just I just met a newborn baby this morning right right back here oh how sweet and uh you grab a hold of your baby's name again is Julian you grab Julian's pinky with your pinky you do a little a little pinky battle who's gonna win Right, Your weakness is stronger than Julian's greatest strength. That's like you and God. Your greatest strength is weaker than God's greatest weakness. His wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7, and 8. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get insight, love wisdom, and she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will bring you honor. Proverbs eight eleven. Wisdom is worth much more than precious jewels and anything else you desire. Now you may not believe that. The older you are, the more you believe it. The younger you are, it's like, you know, this is why the this is why the generations have got to work together, man. The younger generation, you guys have energy and ingenuity. You think you're indestructible, which is great. You'll go anywhere and do anything and try anything. But it's a disaster. Unless you have mentors in your life who have failed so many times (laughs) that they have the wisdom you need like this one guy working in the mailroom got an audience with the CEO of his corporation and he went in and said, how can I get to where you are? And the, and the boss said, make right decisions. So he leaves. A few months later, he gets another audience with the CEO and he comes and says, sir, how do you make right decisions? And he said, make a lot of wrong ones. Amen. You can't have wisdom when you're young because you haven't lived long enough to know what works and what doesn't work. But people that have lived a long time have. And so we've got to work together. And, and the, when you're young, you're like, I'm just going to succeed. I'm just going to succeed. Get out of my way. When you're older, you realize that wisdom is the key to success. And so we need wisdom. We need to impart wisdom and then let them run and be there from That's why when guys go into the NFL and they, all of a sudden they're broke and all of a sudden they have millions of dollars. And then when they retire, it's all gone. They're broke. It happens so often that now the NFL has mentors that hook up with these 18, 19-year-old phenoms and help them manage their money and their success because they don't have the character or the wisdom to do it. Now, you may not believe wisdom is that important, but just think of somebody that you know that makes foolish decisions all the time. Just think for a second. Do you want their life? No, you don't. Proverbs says this, 34, 3, and 4. Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house is built, a life, a home, a family is built by understanding, and it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Let's get rid of wisdom, because these people are not Okay, wisdom's going to stay there because that person is cleaving to God. But let's see about this person here. Let's get rid of wisdom. This person doesn't get God, his salvation, or his wisdom. All right, what's next? Oh, knowledge. God says he will give knowledge. Knowledge, in this age of information overload and false facts, confusion abounds, right? I mean, have we ever lived in a time where information is suspect more than Ever, And we say, well, we throw all these facts, right? It's like, well, who's your source? I just want to say my source is God. My source is God. What about you? What is God saying? What is God saying to you? What are his facts? What's his perspective? We have a whole book of facts. It's called the Bible. God knows we don't. Again, that's why he calls us sheep. Look at this Bible says, uh, the, Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I love this passage where it says that after Jesus rose from the dead, he was walking along the road of, of um, Emmaus with a couple of disciples. And it says, he opened their understanding so they would know the scriptures. God has the ability to open And shut our understanding. That's why we must be so dependent on Him. The Bible says that the spirit of truth is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And knowledge. The Holy Spirit can open your mind. I remember this one, one of my favorite testimonies in our church. We had a high, we had a carpenter who used to do crown molding in high-end homes, and he said he came into this corner where like, like there were like four different parts of the ceiling that were coming together, and he worked all day, and he was a master carpenter. He could not figure out how to get the the molding to all to click into place. He measured and cut and measured and cut and measured and cut. And then he went home and he prayed to God at the end of the day, God help me. That night he had a dream. (laughs) And the dream was a piece of paper with the configuration written out on it. He woke up the next morning, went to work and did it according to to what we saw in his dream. And it went, (laughs) isn't that great? Proverbs 9, 7, 7, 19, 7 through eleven. Look at God's knowledge. The instruction of the Lord, instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. The reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Everybody say true. Each one is fair They are more desirable than the gold even the finest gold They are sweeter than honey even honey dripping from the comb They are warning to your servant and great reward for those who obey them. Look at all those words God's knowledge is perfect reviving trustworthy simple right. They bring joy. They're clear. They're insightful. They're pure They're eternal. They're true. They're fair. They caution you and they give you rewards God's knowledge Okay, but this person doesn't want God's knowledge, so we've got to knock that out. As, oh, no, this, oh, yeah, I forgot. This person's cleaving to God, trusting Him, walking closely with Him, not depending on the wisdom of man, the knowledge of man, or the salvation of man. What about this person over here? Okay, you don't get knowledge of God either. Ooh, okay, all right, what's last? The scripture again. The last thing it says is the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 33, 6 again, our, our scripture today. He will be the sure foundation of your times, a rich store, an abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Every one of those are important. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Aha! See, God's trying to help us. It's like, okay, my salvation in your life, my knowledge and wisdom in your life. I'm going to give you the key. It's the fear of the Lord. Grab it. It's the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Let's look at some scriptures real quick. Proverbs 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's why God says he wants judges and those in political power. The first qualification is that they fear the Lord. Because they will do what God says no matter what the population wants. We will stand for God. That's what Hezekiah did. He did not fear man, he feared the Lord. And the knowledge of the holy one is understanding. Proverbs 14:27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Proverbs 15:16, the better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Proverbs 16:6, 6, through love and faithfulness sin is atoned for, through the fear of the Lord evil is avoided. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Proverbs 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor in life. And Proverbs 23, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means reverence. It means awe. It means obeying God. The phrase that works for me that I like to say when people um, want me to believe things that I know would dishonor God, vote for things I know would dishonor God. I had somebody get very upset with me because I voted a certain way on a social issue and they were deeply hurt and offended by it. And I said, look, I don't have a choice. I don't vote my conscience. I vote God's conscience. I will never vote for something that offends God. Never. Won't do it. I don't have a right to. I'm his slave. I'm his son. I belong to him. He's my king. So what does God say about it? I'm going to vote that way. I'm going to live that way. I'm going to do it that way. Period. And then I will see him one day. And he will say, well done. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. So here's the phrase that works for me when I tell people. And they they mock purity. They mock uh, sexual uh, celibacy before marriage. They they mock giving 10% of your income to the church. Uh, They mock whatever it is that you do or don't do as a follower of Jesus. And this is what I say. My friendship with Jesus won't allow me to do that. I'm not a fake Christian. I don't like take the parts of the Bible I like and then the rest of them not so much. I, I cashed in my life and now I follow the one. How about you? If you're going to live one foot in both worlds, that is a miserable existence. Jesus says you won't make it if you live that way. And so what's the fear of the Lord look like for Hezekiah as we come to a close? What's the fear of the Lord look like for Hezekiah in his times? God says it in Isaiah 33 at the end of that chapter. Those who are honest and fair. Who refuse to profit by fraud. Who stay far away from bribes. Who refuse to listen to those who plot murder. Who shut their eyes to all enticement to do wrong. I remember my kids will tell you this phrase. They heard it their whole life growing up. They'd be doing something. I'd say, your mom doesn't like it. I don't like it. And guess who else doesn't like it? And they're like, God. I said, that's right. Your mother doesn't like it. I don't like it. And God doesn't like it. It's a conscience toward God. That's the fear of the Lord. These are the ones who will dwell on high. The rocks of the mountains will be their fortress. Food will be supplied to them and they will have water in abundance. Because Assyria was threatening to cut off the water supply, the food supply, and besiege Jerusalem and starve them out and dominate them. And God is saying... I don't care what the economy looks like, the political environment looks like. I don't care about the, the moral decay of a culture. If you will trust me, follow me, fear me, I will give you my salvations, my wisdom, my knowledge. I will give you water and abundance and I will supply all of your needs. So what are you going to do this year how are you going to walk this year what is your relationship with god going to look like this year i hope it looks like hezekiah's so here's a couple questions for you and then we're going to take communion together and we're going to come to god and cleave to him what does cleaving to god it's questions for you to ponder right now and for those of you joining us online what does cleaving... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot something. This person doesn't want the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord? No, I'm going to do my own thing. I think being a Christian is stupid. All right. What about this guy? What about when the storms come and the turmoil What's going to happen to this person? Jesus said, if you build your house on the sand, the storms will come and your house will fall. But if you build it on his teachings, the storms will come and your house will still be standing. And did you know that the Bible calls Jesus the chief cornerstone? Do you guys know what a cornerstone is? I'm going to show you this picture, and I'm going to ask you the questions. We're going to take communion. See that first stone right there in the corner? Can you see that? It's called a cornerstone. A mason could tell you, an engineer could tell you, that if the first stone and the foundation of a house or a building is not square... Every stone that you add to it is going to be off just a little bit until the whole thing is off. And it might look okay on the outside, but like Zion, the hospital down there, Zion, you know Zion, the hospital, Kaiser Hospital, in Zion off the 15. And they, they're having to abandon that building. Yeah, we're, we're in San Marcos right now. My wife's in San Marcos because Zion, they're vacating because it's not earthquake proof. The structure was not built to be earthquake proof. They have to abandon that building because that thing will crumble in an earthquake. If you don't have the cornerstone right in your life, your life's going to crumble. And do you know who the Bible calls the cornerstone? 1 Peter 2 4 and 6. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Did you know that? That you don't need a priest anymore to connect with God? The Bible says we are all priests now. Jesus is our high priest and we are all priests to God. That means we get to talk directly to God, uh, about for people and for ourselves, and we get to talk directly to people on behalf of God. That's what a priest does—is a go between. We are priests in the earth now, and we talk to people about God and to God about people. That's what we are—we're intercessors. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God, as the Scripture says, "I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in Him." will never be disgraced. He's talking about Jesus. Can you grab your communion, please? Jesus is the cornerstone. If you have never given your life to Jesus, right now is the time. To build a foundation, for God to be a foundation in your life, you need to start with the cornerstone, which is His Son. Jesus Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes through the Father except through me. I think we all need God's wisdom to open this thing. (laughs) Father, you promised for those that are depending on you, you would give us wisdom and knowledge. (gasps) Aha! Look at that. I win. If you've never given your life to Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the door, and he will be the cornerstone, the foundation of your life. Without giving your life to Jesus, you have not yet invited God into your life because you can't get to God except through Jesus. So I'm inviting you to come to Jesus today. Come on, if that's you online, if that's you here today, just off your lips, you say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Just say it to him. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm asking you to come in, Lord. I need you. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Help me. Save me. If you'll pray this prayer right now off your lips, he's listening to you. Say, I don't want my life to crumble. I need God to be the foundation of my life this year. To say, Jesus, I'm coming to you now. Save me. I give my life to you. Now as you have your eyes closed and the elements in your hands, the body and the blood of Jesus, the cornerstone of God's foundation in your life, I want to ask you this question between you and the Holy Spirit. You just think about it. What is it you need to do this year to make God the foundation of your life? How can you cleave to Him? What can you let go of that's between you and God that will enable you to cleave to Him? And not the them or it. What idol do you need to tear down like Hezekiah? And trust in the Lord. Last question I ask you before we take communion. What would the fear of God look like for you and your life? What is He asking you to let go of and asking you to take hold of? Whatever that is, let's bring it to Him now. Come on, bring your heart to Him now and bring whatever it is to Him that you're going to let go of. Give it to Him. now, like what Moses said, I place before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. Tell the Lord, I'm going to cleave to you this year. Come on, make that marital commitment between you and God. I'm going to cleave to you this year, God. And I begin with your son Jesus. Let's take the body of Christ, the cornerstone, and let's eat the body of Christ together. It all begins with Jesus. Lord, let healing flow in this place right now. Let physical bodies be spontaneously healed because your body was broken so that ours could be made whole. Your body was broken so our lives could be made whole. Let your power flow into my wife's body right now. Lord, as we're taking communion as a spiritual community, depending on you, Jesus, Jesus, The living God, flow into Shelly's body and heal her. Flow into Kathy's body and heal her. Flow into Maru's body and heal her. If you need healing, just raise your hand. you know somebody needs healing, raise your hand. Come on, just raise your hand up and just call the person's name before the Lord. It might be you. It could be your husband, your child, a friend, somebody at work. Just say, Lord, I'm lifting up so-and-so before your throne right now as we're taking communion. I'm asking for your healing to flow through, maybe spiritual healing. Maybe spiritual healing. Say, Lord, this person used to walk with you and they don't. God, I'm putting them before your throne now. Draw them, God. Draw them back this year, Lord. My child, my, my child has turned away from Jesus. Lord, bring them back to Jesus. My parents. God, open their eyes, soften their hearts. to say to you right before we drink the blood of jesus on this first sunday of 2024 there's no sin you committed in 2023 that is more powerful than the blood of jesus christ no shame no guilt you're not on plan b with god because he's the god of new beginnings he's the creator god he creates ways in the wilderness and pathways through the sea Let's lift the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus together and let's drink and let our sins be washed away as we look to Jesus our cornerstone. Let's all stand and worship him. Let's worship Jesus, our cornerstone.
1: Our hope is built on nothing less then Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest faith, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. Oh, Christ alone. Savior's love through the storm He is Lord Lord of all. When darkness when darkness seems to hide his face Estou Stop it stop.
0: did when he got what's called an evil report from the king of Assyria that said give up or we're going to demolish you. We're going to suffocate you. We're going to cut off all your supply and threaten them. He got this letter from, from the king of Assyria like a doctor's report. I love doctors, love nurses, love scientists, love all those that are battling sickness and disease but sometimes the report is just telling you The current condition of your situation. But God might be saying something else. And so Hezekiah took that letter, the report that he got. I love Isaiah 53. God says, who has believed my report? In my Bible, I literally wrote, I have. He took that report and he went to the temple and spread it out. Before he said he spread out, spread it out before God, he put it on the altar of the floor of the temple, spread it out, and said, "Oh God, look at this and that 's when God prophesied to him and said, "Well, this is what I have to say: salvation, wisdom, knowledge i 'm coming tonight at our prayer and praise god i 'm going to ask you to bring the report that you need to spread out before the Lord tonight Mary." Actually, I saw hers today, and she's got enough for all of us. I mean, in fact, I think all of our names are on it. And and she is ready to rock. Bring yours and bring one impossible. We're going to worship and worship and worship and worship and worship. And then we're going to lay out a report before the Lord and pray and pray and pray and pray. And watch God come through this year. Amen. 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 Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you come on up real quick? Come on up real quick. I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to hand it to her. So, okay. All right. From now on, everybody that comes up, you push that up, and then we're all good to go. We've had technological problems. It was user problems. Okay.
1: We, we had to know.
0: Here we go. You just have to speak louder.
1: Okay, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. When we had the praise gathering um, in November, we had uh, we we sang and then we met in small groups and we prayed certain things. Guys, I had multiple answers to prayer. Some of them just the very next day. I'm telling you. Me too. You did. too. Me too. I, I listed them and I dated them and I've got them in my recipe box of answered prayers. Guys, I believe with all of my heart that we are going to be writing down answers to prayer. Believe it, guys. Yeah. Believe it and be there tonight. Yeah. Bring it. Amen. Because he's bringing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she says bring it because he's bringing it. Amen. Prayer teams, will you please come up front? If you need healing in your body, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need just general prayer. Maybe you need a fresh and of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you may need, these prayer teams are ready to believe God with you. So you can move from your seats, you come up front. They're going to pray with you, pray over you, lay hands on you, whatever you might need. Otherwise, God bless your 2024, and I hope to see you tonight. Amen.